Thanks for listening to Reasonable Doubt on Podcast One. This is Beyond a Reasonable Doubt with your hosts, Mark Garrigus and Gary Smith. Yeah, and welcome to Sports Saturday, where we brought in, uh, you can always tell when Jimmy Neutron comes on, that we uh, have a, a Sports Saturday edition, so let's uh, roll right into it, Gary, where are we going to start? Yeah, there's no shortage of stories. I, I'd say let's leave the juiciest one, in my opinion, for last, so we'll put Flores on the back burner. Jimmy, what can you tell us about the news breaking this weekend about the Washington football team? Yeah, uh, this is a story that we've been tracking for a while. Uh, you know, the the long and short, um, Washington has been under the uh, the scope of Congress for I want to say about three four months. Um, they've requested emails, uh, documents, you know, whatever really they could find with respect to this sexual harassment and toxic workplace um, allegations, investigation, whatever you want to call it. That the NFL conducted um, into the Washington football team. So Congress wasn't happy with the NFL's investigation. And they said, Congress, uh, Congress said, we want to get to the bottom of this. So they've actually put a deadline, uh, February 14th, happy Valentine's Day. If they do not comply um, with the request by that date, I think uh, federal government's going to be starting to subpoena the NFL, subpoenaing Washington football team. So yeah, it's all of a sudden getting very hot uh, at Washington Football HQ. And who's leading the charge here? Um, I, I think there's a number of politicians. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a left issue or a right issue. Um, I think uh, people are seeing that uh, their constituents are uh, pretty happy with going after the NFL. Um, so I'm seeing it on, on both sides of the aisle. So this past week, we had a, uh, a House uh, Oversight Roundtable with former employees of the Washington football team speaking about this uh, very kind of disturbing softcore porn video that the production team made for owner Dan Snyder. So, you know, think about like wardrobe malfunctions or behind the scenes stuff, except the cheerleaders did not know they were being filmed in those moments, as was the uh, testimony on Capitol Hill. So very disturbing and allegations that are tied directly to the owner of the team, which uh, is, is not really that typical. And didn't he already pay a fine for this? Yeah, he did. I want to say it was 500 grand, um, but it was for, for someone like Dan Snyder, right? It, somewhat of a slap on the wrist. Didn't really get any formal punishment um, other than that from the NFL. Yeah, I thought it was much more. I thought it was more substantial than that. The, maybe it was in the seven figures, but it, you know, again, for someone like Snyder, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it was that much more than that though. Hmm. It's interesting. Gary will find it and then show both of us are wrong. And the what I, is uh, what has been the catalyst for this at Congress? Do you know what? What are they? What is, what sparked this? Yeah. So I mean, they, they're simply. Oh, it's uh, Gary is putting up a, a, a graphic. It's ten million. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of money, but it's still you know still relatively minor, right? Um, I think what sparked it, Mark, at the end of the day, there was allegations that were pretty real into the Washington football team. Um, you know, different cheerleaders were speaking up. There was allegations that Dan Snyder had, um, you know, had some incident with a former employee on a, on a private plane. Um, you know, there was enough kind of smoke. And then the NFL said, we're going to launch an independent investigation. Um, and then as has come out in the last 72 hours, it wasn't really an independent investigation. The NFL hired a lawyer to do damage control, and they really never intended to release any type of report, let alone have any in, uh, indication of transparency. So I think Congress is saying uh, we don't we're not OK with big businesses kind of throwing this under the rug and, and pretending they've done everything right. So maybe and that's- then we've also got the cross current of 
the, the are the leaked emails in the Gruden case as a result of this as well? I think this is why Congress picked up on it. There was we, we've known about these allegations with Washington football team for about a year, year and change. But right, this right. investigation was launched once the Gruden emails came out once. And, and again, I don't really think the Gruden emails have anything to do with sexual harassment and toxic workplace at Washington. But enough people write their constituents. That's why they, they launched these investigations. They cared about it. So once it became kind of an A-level story with these Gruden gross emails coming out, then the you know politicians started digging into the past, right? What was this investigation about? Why was this thrown under the rug? There's racist allegations in the middle of all this. So yeah, they are related, right? It's kind of the, the tail wagging the dog, which came first. And for those who aren't in the weeds, didn't the Gruden emails, weren't they with a Washington football exec? Mark, uh, I'm, I'm always impressed at your ability to to get to the you know the heart of the issue, right? That that was the the head of it. The, the team president, this guy Bruce Allen, was emailing with Gruden. So the question is, maybe maybe it's tied to toxic workplace. Maybe Gruden was sending the emails. He was an employee of ESPN at the time. He was on their broadcast crew. Um, why was no one saying anything about these emails? Why was there a period of uh, you know acquiescence or just kind of complacency seeing these gross emails come in? It's one thing to send them. It's another thing to receive them over the course of years, right? And team president Bruce Allen does nothing and no one else on the, on the email said anything. So maybe, maybe that's really the impetus of, of this. I, I, it strikes me that there's, you know, it reminds me, um, interestingly, what happens in some of these cases and some of these issues. You have Gruden gets tossed, basically, when it comes out. And so Gruden's got an incentive to fight back. All of a sudden, now you start to see some other emails come out, right? And uh, and it's obvious that uh, maybe his camp has got some that don't reflect nicely on the uh, NFL. It, and it also, I think, now is cited in the Flores lawsuit that how come they knew about this with Gruden? They took no immediate action, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Mark, a case near and dear to your heart, too. Kaepernick is named in the complaint as well, as is John, as is uh, John Gruden. So, yeah, I think the Flores camp, you know, w- whether this was good or bad, they won the headlines by addressing all the hot button issues in the NFL. They, they you know, they hit all those boxes. So, yeah, they they kind of say uh, essentially, right, Gruden was allowed to kind of, uh, you know, walk away quietly. Um, meanwhile, Brian Flores, who, you know, he has no he had a, was a winning coach. He was terminated and kind of left to walk away from the organization um, in shame. And I think the maybe indirect uh, comment they're making is, hey, maybe we should get into discovery here and figure out if any other NFL head coaches have those emails like John Gruden. Um, and maybe that would bridge the gap from, hey, there might be some racial undertones here to this is the email that we're talking about. If you could find a similar John Gruden email with another NFL head coach that, you know, uh, that's in the uh, Hiring scheme? Yeah, I think that would be easy. too. Somebody suggested, I don't know if we've talked about it internally at least, but some have suggested, um, and I think Adam was asking me actually on his show, uh, why a class action and why federal court? And one of the potential explanations is uh, that, and there's been speculation, that there may be an arbitration clause in the contract between the Dolphins and the um, and Flores. And so this is one legal maneuver, if you will, to try to not be compelled to arbitration. 
Yeah. So the, I think the language you're referencing is in uh, Zilli standard language and coaching contracts that if there is a dispute arising out of this agreement, it would be sent to arbitration. Um, at least the pushback I'm hearing is that is a case about racial hiring and firing across the NFL, not particular to one coaching contract. Does that fall under the arbitration clause? And I think, I think you can make an argument both ways. Um, Mark, you asked me, why are they trying to phrase this as a class action lawsuit? Um, you know, I think quite candidly, uh, you know, I've looked at the allegations. I know the case of Brian Flores pretty well. I'm not sure that Brian Flores has the best case himself. I think he raises good points about the lack of diversity in the NFL. But I think as of today, there might be other people, um, you know, Jim Caldwell, former coach of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, you know, Marvin Lewis, coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, other guys out there um, that kind of left their teams in maybe more suspicious circumstances, right? That didn't, where there weren't such clear and obvious defenses. So I think maybe even trying the Hail Mary, right? No pun intended, and getting it in as a class action. Um, maybe that's a better route. The pun was intended. I was. And then I'll just tease uh, one. It's interesting to me because it, it's funny how when somebody gets terminated that these things tend to um, spin up. Uh, and now it's coming out that Jeff Zucker's um, uh, abrupt resignation uh, at CNN uh, turns out that that was in the face of him uh, about to be fired. And it may have uh, been generated by the Cuomo termination that uh, you want to you want to fire me. Uh, I may have the receipts and uh, we'll tease that for Tuesday's episode because the receipts he may have um, turns out may have may have been what led to his downfall as well. Well, we will definitely be covering that on Tuesday. Let me leave you guys with one question. As someone who has sat across the table in depositions from owners and someone who's clearly watching these stories very, very closely, what are your, in your opinion, what are you most nervous about if you are a run-of-the-mill owner of the Kansas City Chiefs who's not implicated in this and does not want to be brought into a discovery phase where all of his emails are? And that's just an example. But somebody who's in this organization but not involved now, what's making you most nervous? I mean, at least I can, um, I mean, I can tell you at least from the, the newsy perspective, Mark can maybe tell you kind of the, you know, Mark's out of the table across from any number of NFL owners. Um, but I, I think the at least troubling thing, if you're any, any one of 32 NFL teams, not the Giants, Dolphins, um, or Broncos at the heart of this lawsuit now, if this does get certified as a class action, which it might not, right? I, I don't think anyone's confident one way or the other at this point. But this lawsuit does have the potential to touch every single NFL team, every single coach, general manager, and owner very quickly because everyone, right, you know, save for the New England Patriots, has had to hire a coach in the last, like, 10 years. So, um, yeah, I, I think that would be the worry, that if you're just talking about Brian Flores, his case already touches maybe upon six or seven franchises. If this, you know, if it's even if it's not a class action, if other Brian Flores pop up and there are different individual lawsuits, it will find a way to touch every team. So that's that's what I'd be worried about as a fan of any uh, any NFL franchise, as an executive, any NFL franchise, that this story, that these allegations are probably going to come to my team sometime soon. That's a pretty good analysis. My only thing I would add is I'm not so sure this thing survives. I, I think it may get compelled arbitration or uh, fall victim to a 12B6 motion to dismiss, but we'll wait and see. And there one follow-up on the other side, the, the side you guys didn't quite pick, is there, would there be a concern that Congress is going to get too involved and, and get you know, wide-sweeping with this because they want and like the headlines, as we know? I, I'm hearing rumblings, which I told Mark uh, at the office earlier this week. 
I'm hearing that there's a potential federal inquiry into the owners of the team that were, uh, you know, allegedly bribing their coaches to lose games. Congress has been talking about sports betting bills, at least in various states as well. Obviously, New York just legalized sports betting. But if you have an an allegation that an owner was providing someone $100,000 and offered to lose games, uh, that's, you know, that's that's money, right? That's a sexy headline. And I would I would be uh, probably surprised if if the federal government didn't tip their toe. And Mark, meanwhile, I know you spoke about in the last podcast, but there's that sports bribery statute, that federal crime. I think the federal government's going to sniff around this one. I'd be almost surprised if they didn't. It just seems right up their alley. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you guys so much. Uh, One correction I need to make, even though it's as awful as the uniforms, we got to start calling them the Washington Commanders. I'm sure there's a few fans from D.C. who've been shouting at us calling them the football team. You know, let's let's adopt the horribleness and and get used to it. Um, But thank you guys both so much for your time this weekend. And uh, we look forward to having you back soon, Dan and uh, Mark. A lot to cover with Zucker and more this Tuesday. You see it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Beyond a Reasonable Doubt. Stay tuned for more bonus episodes coming soon.